Hello from Washington DC, Bratislava and Magdeburg. My name is Mark. And I'm David and you're listening to the Check Your Facts podcast. A podcast about journalism with journalists mainly and for journalists and anyone else listening. How are you, Mark? <laughs> I'm fine. Still, the cold season is kicking in, but it's getting better and better and better and better. And I think some of the coughs won't go away for some other days. How are you feeling? Uh, not bad, actually. I'm, I'm having a little bit of like man cold. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting along. Um, so we both have actually seen and also met the, the guest we have today, right? Yeah. Although it was uh, quite a short experience because, as we always uh, told on the podcast, um, News Impact Summit was nice, but only one day and we wanted to talk to so many people and only got to know like some of them. But we saw, we both saw the presentation of our today's guest and I liked it very much and I'm really happy that she is here. A welcome from, as I heard some seconds ago, just around the corner from the White House, <laughs> Kat Downs-Mulder. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you very much. It, uh, you made your time. Uh, you know, it's always difficult with um, the time uh, zones and the difference. Yeah, we, it's uh, six o'clock in the evening here in Bratislava in Magdeburg. How are you doing? I'm doing great. As you can hear, I'm sure yeah. I'm just uh, yeah. looking out my office window onto the park. Um, and there's, as usual, lots of busy street noise outside. Um, but we're doing great here. Lots of news going on. So we've been staying busy covering natural disasters and all kinds of uh, policy changes and Trump's White House. So it's been a busy year and a busy couple months, but it's going very well. I'm really excited about the work that we're doing. Before we dig uh, any deeper into your um, current affairs, uh, I'd like to ask you if you could please introduce yourself. How did you come into journalism? How did you end up doing what you do now? So I started uh, studying journalism in high school. I worked for my school newspaper. Um, and when I went to college, I wanted to continue to study journalism. So I majored in visual communication um, at the University of North Carolina, which has a really great journalism program. Um, and I studied uh, specifically visual journalism, multimedia, which at that time was basically flash, uh, programming, design, and some video and audio. And I also studied photojournalism. And when I finished college, I moved up to DC for an internship at USA Today. Um, and then I worked as a photographer for a little bit and I ended up working at the Baltimore Sun. Um, I worked there for about a year and a half, and what was super cool about that job is that I did some web production and basic stuff, writing headlines and captions and coming up with new ideas for photo galleries and things like that. But I also got to do um, infographics and multimedia design, and that was really where I started to get into graphics, uh, mapping and charting much more than I had before. Um, and so then I had a... a colleague of mine from school who had had an internship um, and then was working at the post and she told me about a job here so I came um, to interview here at the post and they gave me a job working at their website at that time the website was a separate company um, just for the digital stuff 
Um, and so I worked there on a team that did infographics, but we also did um, interactive design and microsite design, logos, banners, icons, different modules for the site, um, all different kinds of design. Um, and then after about a year and a half, uh, the, the main newspaper, the downtown office and the website merged into one company. Um, I came into the main office and I joined the infographics team. Um, and that's when I really started to focus on uh, the design and the development of uh, information graphics specifically and also continued to do some multimedia pieces um, that included uh, video photography and audio. Um, and I've had a bunch of different jobs here at the Post. I think I've had five different roles. Um, I've been just a designer. Uh, then they gave me a job as a sort of innovations editor, which was basically training and teaching digital and trying to sort of uh, coach up the team and come up with ideas for how we could uh, move our whole group more towards a digital direction. Um, I had a role called interactive projects editor, which was a role where I worked with multiple different teams um, trying to create projects that spread across different groups. Um, and then I came back to the graphics department as a deputy and then shortly after I was made director and it's been about four and a half years since I have been leading the department. Um, and it's been super cool to see the company change uh, over the years. I've been here almost 10 years and it's completely a completely different place um, in so many different ways. And that has been really, really exciting. Um, trajectory and a really cool, you know, just complete culture change and shift in, in priorities and culture of the company. And that's been a really exciting thing to be part of. Wow, what, what a track record. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, when we were pre preparing for the interview, we both with Mark recalled your uh, presentation in Budapest, uh, which uh, was, I think, called uh, something like visualizations in the uh, Trump era or something like that. Uh, And, and so, so you you basically explained the the workflow how how you guys um, like do some of the things we see you, uh, you you are doing and there was a moment when uh, I I don't I guess you don't won't remember it but uh, it was actually Mark who asked like how do you approach mobile because you had only uh, you know pictures of like desktop mm -hmm. uh, you know from desktop screen so yeah I just wanted to tell you that that was Mark that person <laughs> <laughs> that's great that was a good question and yeah and and that, that's actually also also my question like uh, how how are you thinking about when you're going to like do something with, with your team now um well I mean our workflow we sort of have a process that we call single story ownership so that means if you're going to develop a story Um, then you're responsible for it across all of the platforms. And that is everything that we do. That's um, our website, which includes our mobile site. That's our newspaper. That's all of the different applications that we have for iPhone and Android. That's uh, all of the work that we do on distributed platforms. So what are we going to publish on Instagram? What are we going to publish on Facebook, Twitter, etc.? cetera? Uh, what goes into Snapchat? Um, or any of the other distributed places that we have. So we sort of think about um, our website and our mobile site. Most of our projects are responsive, um, so they work on both. Um, occasionally we do more adaptive design, but that's much more rare now. Um, 
And we, you know, we sort of think about those and then we think about how to move the same um, pieces into all of these other places, including our paper and those other, you know, the other apps and things that I mentioned. Um, and so what we try to do is sort of when conceptualizing the digital piece, really focus on what is the story and what are the visuals. Um, and then if we do a really good job defining that, um, then it makes the, makes the process of developing whatever is downstream much easier. Um, that typically works better than the process that we used several years ago where you would make something, really design something for a newspaper and then try to stick it online, which was very difficult. Um, uh, and so we don't, yes. we don't work that way anymore. And that has let us be much more nimble and flexible about, um, about the work that we do. Actually, um, I, I think I might have asked you this in Budapest. I'm, uh, I'm not sure, but, uh, Maybe my, maybe Mark will uh, say that he, he has the same like uh, experience. But uh, so Washington Post is a media like a legacy publication, right? So we, you've got like like a rich long history, and uh, for for this like new age of interactive design, uh, for for a long time it has only like people in the news and like in this interactive era, uh, the the like the the this interactive developer graphic circles they will they have been talking a lot about the New York Times what they are doing, but I'm not sure when was this, but like at the moment it's like it's like really not only New York Times like all all, all these like other publications have stepped up. Uh, very much also the the Washington Post. This is like what I feel like subjectively. I'm not saying like, uh, uh, but like, do you see something that you changed and helped with this? Like that you caught on or like uh, began to think about like uh, the, the stuff you do some differently? Um. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there are a couple of things. Um... Uh, I mean, the New York Times is a much larger organization than we are, and they also started their digital transformation earlier than we did in some in, in some spaces. Uh, and, and one of the spaces that um, they, you know, really jumped into early was sort of this very com complex design and development of interactive pieces, which we did some of, but most of our work was in multimedia. Um, and so they got a little bit, you know, they got a little bit of a head start on most publications in that because they were doing that stuff in the early 2000s when most people weren't. Um, and then, you know, also they sort of pushed on the forefront of reporting their own visual stories. Um, both of those things we started doing many years ago as well. Um, and the, the what has really changed here at The Post is that... Um, you know, one, our team has been growing, so we've been able to bring on even more uh, talent and even more energized people who are really excited about sort of shaping the future. Um, we've been able to sort of recast the team away from, uh, you know, really a service orientation um, to a reporting orientation, which is now, you know, happening across many, many different newsrooms. Um, and that, I think, is why we're seeing... Um, a lot of exciting uh, visual work happening is just that, you know, people really feel um, less like, you know, they're a desk that takes other people's stories and add things to it and, and more like a reporting desk in its own right where just, you know, visual um, reporting and 
and um, the production of, of graphics or interactive pieces is sort of just the way that we tell stories. It's just one of the ways um, that we come at uh, building narrative. So, um, I mean, I think we've really changed our mindset in terms of the way that we work. Um, we've changed um, the way that the team is structured. We've changed you know, how we work with the rest of the newsroom. We've changed our tools, if you, you name it, we've probably modified it and sort of brought it along in, in many different ways. Um, but when you look at the makeup of the team, you know, when I took it over four years ago versus now, just in terms of the work that we're doing, um, we are doing a lot more work and we're also doing a lot more work for digital platforms only and then also digital platforms first. Um, it's very, you know, it's rare now that we have um, you know, print graphics that we have to c convert to the web. That doesn't ever happen anymore. Uh, and that used to be sort of a daily occurrence in the, in the way that things went around here. Um, and I think at many other organizations as well. Um, and so when, you, when you do something special, do you see also a, like a, a peak in feedback uh, from, from your public or some, like when you do something, you know, interactive, special, not like something you do every day? Uh, do you see people like writing you or like uh, sharing it more or commenting on Twitter? Yeah, I mean, we definitely um, get a lot of feedback from readers directly. They email us. Uh, they leave comments on our stories. They send out tweets. You know, my favorite my favorite days are when we publish something and we get like a lot of love, a lot of love tweets. You know, people are like, this is amazing. Um, you know, and, and that's, you know, that's a lot of fun when you feel like you've done something that, um, you know, has touched people's lives, educated them, helped them understand something better. Um, and then also, you know, to some degree, just delight and surprise them. Yeah, I mean, I, I must confess, I love following the post graphics Twitter feed. <laughs> because that's like my RSS to your interactive stuff. I'm, I'm not sure if there is a better way to follow it than uh, this Twitter feed. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the best way to keep to keep track of everything that we're doing. Um, you know, we put all of our work there and it's really fun, you know, to, to go back and look at sort of all of the stuff, especially when, you know, when the news is really happening. We're, we're always like, you know, very much on top of on top of that and so you know after a busy few few days on the news when you look back on there sometimes I'm just amazed at how much amazing work the team is able to do in such a short period of time I mean I totally encourage everyone to follow follow that uh, you know Twitter account because it's like the best cut <laughs> uh, this question may sound a little general but from from my experience I mean you you have insights on what is working what's not working which is Or could you say that any social network or your website or whatever is working better than anything else? Or do you have insights that um, the inter interactive graphics on the website work the best and the teasers in, the so in social media are just teasers? Um, do you have any insights for us? Um, well, I can tell you that part of our, you know, part of our strategy is to ensure that, that we do have, you know, appropriate versions of our graphics for all of the different platforms that we interact with and that means like you know we work to craft a special you know whatever we're doing there's got to be a version of for a home page there's got to be a social card that goes with it and we see a, a big difference in the amount of engagement um, on social networks when we take the time to craft 
a special sort of social card or shareable image. Um, and we don't just do something like a screen grab or something that's sort of very sort of slapdash. Um, we see a major difference in the engagement. Um, we do more and more animated um, versions of our graphics um, on social networks than we ever have because they tend to bring in, bring, bring in more eyeballs, bring in more people, and also do a better job, you know, just telling the story in space, in the distributed space. Um, so we're definitely thinking about that. Um, I mean, we're producing stories. Uh, you know, now we're working on producing stories for you know distributed places like Apple News, which is pretty exciting. We just had one of our projects, this project called Your Brain on Art, um, which was really beautiful and involved you know several pieces of motion graphics um, that just went into a custom design in Apple News. Um, which is a really great partnership for us. So we're, you know, we're always thinking about like how can we, how can we amplify, you know, the journalism that we're doing. How can we reach more people? Um, and when we find them, you know, how can we make sure that they have a great experience with whatever our stories are, so that they want to come back for more. Do you have the feeling that your un unique or kind of unique way of telling stories with interactive graphics is like working better than just text long text bits Com like when you I, i i think you can only say it from your feeling or your experience but um i mean that's why why you do it because you think it sells better but how do you feel when your readers give you feedback um do they like really appreciate the beautiful interactive designs and the graphics and what you did uh yeah i mean typically they do um i mean sometimes the first con you know sometimes we'll get comments like you know, um, the presentation on this was really amazing or stellar. And that's for like the longer narratives that we add stuff to, um, the, the, or that we spend time designing or making engagement, getting engaging. Um, and so we, we do know that like people spend, you know, people are typically spending more time with the stories that we spend time and energy doing special design on. Uh, and they're also more likely to, to share those stories versus uh, the same article in our very standard template. And we've measured that. So we do know that there is um, an effect on it, a positive impact on the engagement time for these for these stories that we spend extra effort on. Um, the, you know, um, the, the other work that my team does that's not sort of uh, involving multiple teams and, and long stories that we're sort of working on building graphics into um, the more independent team stuff that my team does uh, is more of a what what um, I think of and I've heard referred to as like sort of this middle form stuff, which is not a daily and not a huge project, but something that maybe takes less than a month. Um, that stuff uh, really doesn't work without visuals because we only try to do stories in that space if it's fundamentally visual. And in that case, it can't work without the visuals that we're doing. And so, yes, I think that the visuals definitely have an impact um, in the effectiveness of the stories, the engagement on the stories, the shareability of the stories, um, because all of the concepts that we're doing are sort of fundamentally based on the idea that these stories are, are visual. Um, so if you were an independent media trainer, you would go to the newsrooms and say you have to always keep an eye on very good graphics <laughs> of course that's what I've spent my career in um, <laughs> I, you know I don't I, I if I was starting an independent newsroom and I, the first you know the very first people I was gonna hire 
I would hire people who can who can do it all. People who can write and do graphics and design and do a little bit of everything. Um, really versatile people who can be where they're needed. Um, I, I you know I wouldn't hire people who could only only do one thing, only do writing, or only do visual production, or only do social media. You would need people who are sort of more um, more cross-trained uh, and more multi-skilled. Um, but yes, I mean, I would definitely the the visual skill set would be part of the of what I would hire for. Um, but ideally, I would I would be finding people who who could work in a lot of different capacities. Um, I think that makes you makes you a better storyteller. Makes you um, your work, you know, more resonant. Uh, makes you much more flexible because you're not, you know, just going to what you know how to, you know, going to the one thing that you really know how to do. But you're you're applying whatever the best whatever the best technique is to the job, um, and that okay. sort of mental flexibility is really really important. That's interesting. Because we uh, we always talk about like um, how how journalists are in in Europe and what they can and what they want to do and we talked a lot about uh, young journalists who just started their career and we often found out that they are basically like radio journalists or TV journalists or online journalists but then mostly write and do some of social media so how are the things in the US? Uh, when you say you would build a newsroom with like multi-talents, um, are there such kind of people and especially the, the, the growing journalists? There are not as many as we would want there to be. Um, but there are, yeah, there are, there are many. Um, you know, I think it, it, it's hard to find, um, you know, people who want to do all of those different kinds of things, people who have sort of, like I said earlier, the mental flexibility to move between different forms, to go from writing to designing to, to programming or to social programming. I mean, that sort of um, gymnastics that you have to go through to shift yourself into the different modes and to really think about, okay, what, what form is this going to take and try to maintain all those skills? That's tough. Um, and it's also tough, you know, to be able to shift back and forth between uh, a very quick story and a story that takes more time uh that you know is more deeply reported or um you know or is produced in a more complex way so it, it's hard you know i think it, it, what we try to do is focus on like building collaborative teams so teams that leverage a different skill sets of different people within the group um for my team in particular i focus on sort of the three areas of design development and reporting um, and I, I really only hire people who have at least two of those skill sets, and they're pretty strong in both of those areas. Then the third area, maybe they have it. We have a few people who really can do all three of those things, but those people aren't super common. Um, so if you have somebody who can do both of those things, and then you have another person who can do two of those things, and then those people are complementary, and they can work really well in a team. Um, and so a lot of our work is very collaborative. Uh, if you look at the projects that we do, almost all of them have double bylines, sometimes quite, you know, triple bylines or more. Um, and that's because of that, you know, that structure where we try to take the skill sets and put them together in a complementary way to be able to create projects that really, um, you know, amplify, you know, the group of skills. Um, Sorry. So, so what's basically the most common background you would say in, in like the guys you have in your team? Um, 
well, we, they're actually from really diverse backgrounds. Um, but a lot of them went, I mean, a lot of them went, um, to journalism school and studied visual journalism. Um, you know, some of them have, you know, geography degrees. So they have a background in, in cartography or GIS. I have a few people who have computer science degrees and they just sort of studied, uh, journalism or did internships or something that kind of gave them that storytelling background. Um, I have a, a few people who went to art school and they studied, um, you know, illustration or modeling or those kinds of things. Um, so there isn't really like one particular background that we always go for. And that gets again to the diversity of skill sets and just trying to create a team that has a really robust and diverse skill set so that um, pretty much anything that comes across our desk, we have the skills to tackle if we put together the right group. I understand. So some some time ago, there was a study, I think, I think it was a study, maybe from the American Press Institute or whoever, and uh, they basically went around the newsrooms, I think, and they they found out that uh, like uh, the, the state of maybe you can say interactive graphics uh, has has moved in the newsrooms in a way where uh, like in in the early days of the interactive, it was like uh, doing a lot of crazy stuff, like uh, things moving around, like. Uh, for the reader, it was at at times maybe chaotic, like uh, the readers didn't know how to nav navigate those stories. And then uh, the, I think it, there was there was a section that um, maybe the the newsrooms have like had this feedback and started doing like less crazy infographic and more like useful infographic. So how do you see this evolving uh, in, in in your like? In Washington Post and like what you see around? Um, I mean I think that's a fairly accurate assessment. We um, you know when I started doing this type of work um, the internet was a very different place. Um, I mean there were there were no visualization libraries for JavaScript. Um, there were barely JavaScript frameworks that made building anything easy. Um, all of the work on interactive projects was done in Flash, which is a program, which is a plugin, um, and, and so it was just a very different ecosystem. And within that ecosystem, you know, yes, we were definitely building pieces that involved like clicking a bunch of time. We knew nothing about usability. Um, the, the the you know the the real consumer internet was just becoming a thing. You know, Facebook had just been invented. Twitter hadn't even been invented then. Um, there was no iPhone. So I think that's one of the reasons why that was sort of the school of thought and that was the that was the design pattern that was common in graphics. Then, you know, over time, we've moved much more into what I, you know, basically like a charticle format, which is a lot of, you know, more text, more context, more annotation, similar to what you would find in a printed graphic, really leveraging the decades of infographics history and experience that, um, you know, that we learn from, like you sort of how to, how to design smart, meaningful infographics, um, how to lead people through a visual story, all of those kinds of things that we then brought into our digital work. Um, and so, you know, you would see a lot more sort of annotation, a lot more guidance, a lot more structured narrative and less, hey, here's something that you can explore. Um, that said, you know, I think that we're getting to the point now where, uh, you know, there's sort of this convergence kind of coming where, Visual journalists are better reporters, better writers. Um, 
and our graphics contain a lot more text and then writers are becoming better visual journalists and they're creating more charts and so we're all kind of growing together and I think that you know as visual journalists we, we do need to remember that part of our part of our job is to experiment and and, and explore and create and do things that are you know surprising and inspiring and figure out how to make those things great stories and easy to use and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think it, it, in some regards, a lot of the work has become a little bit too flat, in my opinion. Um, it's just sort of becoming sort of a, a lot of the things that I see are very similar, sort of in their structure and format. Um, and so, you know, I push my team a lot to, to, to think about um, what, what are the possibilities of interactivity that are useful to readers, um, that are helpful, and, and how can we still be exploring and not sort of just go with the lowest common denominator of, of story form for every single thing that we do. Um, and, you know, we're, you know, we do that in our daily work, um, you know, with different uh, geographic applications or customized stories or, um, you know, use, you know, still some of the basic sort of usability of sort of put yourself in this story, as well as more experimental things like augmented reality and, and things where, you know, we just did a project last month where you could project a model onto your, onto your table and kind of see a building be built. Um, and those kinds of things, which are just trying to, trying to explore and leverage new technology to figure out what visual storytelling is going to look like in the future. So we here in Europe, we have like, not that many big newsrooms as you have basically not in mainland europe maybe in uk and like some uh some are in germany i guess uh they they, they have the uh, capacity the teams the people uh the resources maybe to do stuff like you do so basically well when i go and talk with my colleagues about something special we always look to like what washington post is doing new york times bloomberg etc and so we'll look basically to you for inspiration. And where where do you guys find the inspiration? Then, like, where, where where is your like resource? Well, there are so many exciting things happening online. Um, we you know we look at art, we listen to music, we look at what other people are doing. Um, I mean, there's creativity everywhere in advertising and other news outlets. Um, even, I mean, we find, we find inspiration in some of the things that, that smaller news outlets than us are doing. Um, sometimes with limited resources, people get really, really creative with their approaches. Um, and so we, we pay attention to what people are doing at organizations of all size, of all sizes. Um, but I think the main thing, you know, to kind of be, you know, the, the way to, that we try to stay inspired is not, you know, not just look around at news graphics, because if you do that, it's sort of this like, you know, vortex of you're kind of trapped inside this very small ecosystem. Um, and all of these really exciting things are happening with technology in a, in a greater way. Um, and, you know, the, the question for us is how, how can we stay engaged with that? How can we draw inspiration from really things that are on the cutting edge, whether that's in, you know, um, software development or whether that's in um, 
you know, gaming or advertising or wherever in these different spaces, how do we make sure that we we're paying attention to those things and not getting so heads down in the news industry that we don't look around, um, which sounds like an easy thing to do, but it's not because a lot of times what people in newsrooms are looking at is news. Um, and it can be hard to make time to go and look at things that aren't news and to realize that those are the things that that help you sort of feed your soul and then come back really energized to be creative about the way that we tell news. Um, and I think that's what you have to do. Otherwise you just mirror what other news outlets are doing and you don't do anything that feels truly original or truly breaks out of sort of that, that limited ecosystem. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That, that sounds reasonable. Uh, I, I, I suppose we could, we could agree that, uh, since, uh, you had a new president that the new cycle has been uh, like many college crazy like really fast so uh, how, how how do you see that how had you changed how did you have to change like in the work you do because like there were uh, Washington Post was coming up with a lot of uh, uh, investigative stories and many of those stories as you mentioned like the annotated pieces the the annotated uh, interviews I guess you had to produce like really fast like like how how did you see this change like from 2016 like to 2017 um well we've always done breaking news and we've always done quick turnaround projects um but yes we have had to sort of maintain a very fast pace um for quite an extended period of time uh just due to the volume of news um and that just kind of you know that has forced us in some ways to, to really focus on making sure that our internal systems and tools are really easy to use really fast. Um, when we figure out a better, better way, you know, to do something, how do we systematize it so that we can do that, that thing with more frequency. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we're constantly, you know, juggling, you know, what are the, what are the pieces that we're going to do? What are the pieces we're going to focus on? What are the really great ideas? Um, you know, and there are a lot of things that, that we don't, we don't have, um, you know, we have to sort of put on the shelf to do later, or we have to say, okay, that's not something critical because we do have so many things in the news sphere that we need to focus on. Um, but typically those are the things that really, you know, the, the, the pressure of the time crunch really can, can help people make amazing work. Um, and so I, sometimes I think that that, that limited time really produces things that are very special um, and sort of can set the tone and the pace for some of the things that we do that take longer. So I think that that, that pressure is really, really productive for us. It also helps us work together better as a team um, because you're sort of forced to do something together really quickly and it makes everybody feel really energized and like we're doing something that's very meaningful. So while, while you know, that moment's exhausting, it's also really exhilarating. And I think it's, it's very good for a momentum as a group when you present your graphics and when you do graphics, especially with a short period of time, um, how, how exactly do you do it? You told us in your presentation that you have a big team and that you develop and um, do like all the graphics and timelines, maps and so on, you program it yourself. But especially in a breaking news situation, do you have some, some backup tools or do you... Do you use like anything by Nightlab Foundation who have like great uh, open source tools? Um, 
Not usually. Um, I mean, within my team, we have a really pretty robust development system. It's very straightforward for us to build graphics. We have an internal tool called Chartable that we use for quick charts. Um, and we have a couple locator map tools that we use. Like we use Maps for News. Um, and then we just sort of change the styles. And, and that it makes it very quick for us. We, you know, we use Google Earth. If we pull maps out of there, just labeling them. It's a very quick workflows once you get used to it. Um, and uh, so, you know, we're usually building things off of our own framework and tools, um, which has worked pretty well for us because we've really been able to develop that, build that up over time. Okay, uh, in, in Budapest, uh, David was, like I think, an hour after you, and he presented like all the free stuff they had yeah. uh, uh, preparing their their news uh, news stories. Um, so that was, uh, it's basically different. And as he, uh, as he told us, um, the newsrooms in Europe are much smaller, and they often need like free open source tools to do whatever they want because a big team, like how, how big is your team? I, I don't know. If I, it's, a, it's a couple dozen. Um, yeah. But you know, I, I mean, absolutely, if you're in a small newsroom, then you should just use whatever is available to you. It's the best option that you have. And that, that sort of gets back to that idea of like experimenting. Like if something exists and you're like, oh, this is, you know, you know about it. Hey, I know about this charting tool or I know about this, this thing that would let me make a timeline or, um, you know, I, I know about this, this thing that would let me make a, a slippy map or a quick locator map. You know, then if you have awareness of the tools, when the moment arises, then you know where to go to get the thing done. Um, and, you know, at, at my previous job at a smaller place, I definitely used more out-of-the-box tools. But it just luckily here at the Post, it's not really necessary because we have a pretty big team and a pretty robust infrastructure. Um, but there are lots of really good options out there for people who work on smaller teams. David, what was it that you were using? I remember some of it. Well, it was interesting because Kat, uh, in, in her, like you were in your presentation talking like how uh, you changed the timeline, timeline tools you use. So basically we use this like really basic uh, night lab uh, timeline tool, but uh, then you presented something like, like, like much different. <laughs> Uh, do, do you recall that? I don't. Was it a specific project I was talking about? Um, you were you were saying like uh, you have uh, you have created some kind of tool you use when you want to. Um, uh, 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 I'm not sure now, but when when you want to like show how some events like developed. Uh, like uh, something after something else, and that you you basically split the event in like different flows and not only uh, not, not, not only like a, a linear story. Um, I'm not sure specifically which, which thing you're talking about. I mean, we, we have done, we've done a lot of, um, I think you might be talking about this timeline that we did for uh, this project about um, the, what the Obama administration knew about um, Russian, uh, you know, meddling in the election um, or, you know, how Russians tried to, to influence the election. Um, and for that, we did, we did a timeline um, and we created this sort of in interface where you could jump to different moments in the timeline. Um, 
and that was really cool for us because it sort of let us have both things that that exploration of the entire timeline which was like hundreds of events which was insane um and then also just sort of like the, the cliff notes version of it which would be just sort of like jump through this timeline to the moments and the revelations um and then and then at the top of the at the story we had like a list of the, the the key moments and then you could click on those and you could jump down so there were multiple different ways to interact with that timeline yes i i think that that was it also maybe you have used something similar when you were annotating yeah. the 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 interviews like trump had with several leaders and uh... yeah we used the same same structure when we annotated uh some of trump's calls with um the leaders of australia and mexico Yes, um, right. sort of annotated certain things and then and then allowed people to jump through the project to the to the moments that we felt were the most critical to understanding the event okay i see i mean um that's 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 what i wanted and maybe one of the last questions or maybe the last question because our time is running up like if 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 there's like a young journalist or not even a young journalist but a like someone who's listening and would love to do stuff like you do, what would you like recommend them to to like go and like uh, you know study or uh, learn? Um, well, it kind of gets back to those three skills I mentioned earlier: the design, the development, and the reporting. So to figure out sort of which of those spaces you feel like the most passionate about, um, and then to find you know whether they're there are things that are happening through your education or through your current job or as side projects, personal projects, find things that you feel really passionate about doing and grow your, you know, focus on growing your skill set in those areas and then producing and then out of that growth, producing just pieces that you can put into a portfolio that can show us what you can do. Um, you know, when we're hiring, we you know, sort of look at a, a few areas uh, in addition, you know, those skills, design, development, reporting, but also the strength of your portfolio based on your experience. So, um, you know, if you, you, what is in there and how strong is it and how much does it stand out from the work that other people are doing? Um, and we do factor in your experience level, but then also, you know, can you teach yourself? Are you flexible? Can you learn can you learn new technologies when they arise? Because this ecosystem is constantly changing and you need to be really self-motivated to keep up with what's going on. Um, are you a good storyteller? Are you interested in the news? Um, you know, are you good, are you a collaborative teammate? Those are the kinds of things that we can tell, you know, we can, we can evaluate based on, you know, how you approach your own, your own work and your projects. And, you know, we've hired a bunch of people who, you know, don't have that much formal training in computer science, but have really taught themselves um, and have been very experimental in whatever whatever area they were working in. Or like I said, we hired some computer science grads who had no journalism training, but, you know, was were the editor of their school paper um, or did a part-time internship at a local news organization. Um, people who sort of went above and beyond to explore those passions because they really wanted to be part of this be part of this world and then while doing that created excellent portfolio pieces um so you know i think the thing would be you know focus on just really growing your skill set look at look at the good work that's out there look at the work that you admire and then try to distill you know what is it that i admire about that work what is it that makes that work feel really special and distinctive and then 
you know, when you're creating your own work, you have you have all of this inspiration and you can really think about how to make your work, you know, distinctive and special. Um, you know, those are the, those are sort of some of the things that that I think about when I'm when I'm hiring people or advising people about how to think about getting a job in a, in a bigger news organization. Mm, cool. So, dear listeners, if you want to get a job at the Washington Post graphics team, rewind <laughs> th 30 seconds, <laughs> listen to that, and <laughs> yeah, you probably get a job, <laughs> if you're good. <laughs> Thank you very much for being on our podcast. Uh, it was a pleasure. It was, uh, was really nice to see uh, what you're working on and how you're doing it. And yeah, it was quite fun. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, it was great. Uh, guys, li you're listening. If you're like not subscribed to this podcast, please do on whatever app you're listening to it. And uh, yeah, follow us on social media and check back in a week for another interview. Uh, thanks, Kat, for coming to this podcast. And uh, Mark, what's the only thing or the last thing we always say? Uh, please, guys. Don't forget to always check your facts. <laughs> Thank you, Kat. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks.